Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener. Your host, Ken Lane, talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona. And it's a couple weeks before spring. It's first week in March. It's uh, been beautiful. And then some. I saw a little sleet on Thursday. And then it's bright days and cool nights. This is early spring. This is early spring weather in the mountains of Arizona. And it is a great time to be planting new trees, shrubs, even some of the perennials are starting to show up, those early, early spring bloomers. Uh, this week we had lupin show up, so mountain lupin. It's a shade plant, has a ferny kind of leaf to it, bright, bright pink flowers, and it's a perennial, so it comes back. Remember, perennial and permanent both start with P. And so it comes back every year. They came in, in from the farm, full bloom, beautiful. You had to Instagram it. It was just so pretty. And we got our first crop of candy tuft. Candy tuft is a bright white flower, perennial again, comes back every year. And it's been up, it's been growing since the first of the year, but now it's actually going into bloom, this bright white, like bridal white flower to it. Again, it, it this covers, candy tuft is shade, sun, it's so versatile, rock gardens, uh, it goes almost anywhere in containers. Uh, the great thing about both of those, they're pretty much animal proof. So javelina, deer, uh, rabbits, they don't bother them. And so some of these earths this, this week, the weather, everything started waking up this week. It's kind of frightening. Uh, even, even Thursday, there was a little bit of sleet in the morning. <clears throat> and the KV plums, this is a purple leaf plum. Opened up and just decided in the weather it didn't it didn't care because I'm ready I want spring to be here and boom you could almost watch them by the hour open up and start to bloom it's uh, purple leaf plum the reason they call it purple leaf is the foliage is just purple year round so but before it forms that that foliage it blooms this very kind of a cotton candy pink flower it's completely covered in flowers, all the bare stems show off these flowers. And then as spring progresses, let's say the end of this month, it'll start to leaf out and you'll get this blended flower, purple leaves, flower, purple leaves. It's quite striking. It's a short tree, about no high teens. So a big tree is gonna be 50, 80, 100 feet tall. This one's at 18 feet. So it's considered short in tree terms. Great vase shape uh, to structure to it. Dark purple. The bark is almost purple, but the flowers are quite like royal purple. It's a beautiful tree. Uh, many you, you can get too much purple in a yard, but boy, it sure looks good in between those uh, blue greens that naturally show up where manzanita and junipers, uh, the, the emery oaks start to show up. It's really striking against those the the native plants that we have looks really good flanking a driveway or even down a driveway they look good in pairs together and so that just started to bloom 
this week. I mean, like a couple days ago. Uh, crab apples, the Prairie Fire crab apple. Another one just started opening up and, and showing off uh, what it looks like. So it's, it's things are starting to happen. And it's, it comes down to what wakes plants up. When do they decide to do this? Sometimes it's, it's temperature related. So the nighttime temperatures have actually been quite warm, warmer than normal. And so they're just programmed. You need so many days. Once it's warm enough, they kind of go, I think I'm going to go for it. A lot of it has to do with day daylight. So how long the days are. These plants are just used to going, okay, let's see. It's getting light out at six. It's, I got about 12 hours of sun per day. Yeah, I'm going to open up. Let's just go into bloom. I'm ready. And so they just start to bloom. And there's no holding them back. There's no pushing them forward. And so some folks, like right now, we're promoting fertilize, fertilize, fertilize. You need to fertilize everything in the landscape. I cannot emphasize that enough. And I think you should use a, an organic fertilizer. And so we make our own. We make a couple different blends that are pelletized, easy to spread. But it's time to put that down. And some folks go, well, I, I don't want to fertilize. It might wake things up. I'm going, no, that's not how it works. You fertilize plants so there's nutrients in the soil when the plant finally decides on, it, on its own to wake up. Just by adding some food out there is not going to get a plant to start to bloom. Another one I'm hearing is uh, that the tulips are up, the daffodils are up. They're, they'll be in bloom here in a, in a week. Uh, they're starting to grow. But then we saw, let's say later, let's see, what was that? Wednesday, Thursday, somewhere in there it was, it was cool. And so folks are freaking out going, should I cover them? What should I do? Plants that are out in the yard, they've been in the yard. They do their own thing. You don't really have to protect them that much. Fruit trees would be the exception possibly. But if you get the right kind of fruit tree, it's not in bloom right now. It's waiting to bloom. So it, it'll bloom later, uh, closer to the last frost date. And so you're more likely to get fruit. That's why you want a mountain variety of fruit tree. You really want to do your homework on fruit trees. If you get the wrong variety, it'll start to bloom too early. And so it will frost out. It will get damaged. Not the tree. The fruit or the blossom will be taken from that plant. Because we've got more cold. We've got more frost. We're going to see another snow. It's just part of the spring process in the mountains of Arizona. We expect it. We need it. We want it. The plants want it. But those plants that wake up in spring, they like that. They, 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 it actually encourages them to, to bloom longer, stronger, more vibrant. And so don't worry about that forsythia that woke up. Don't worry about daffodils elongating. Don't worry about perennials that are starting to grow. I think they've got enough antifreeze in them as we progress, as things wake up more and more, they're going to be, you're going to get a cold front and then it, you, you don't have to worry. You don't have to cover them. You don't have to bring them indoors and protect them. Uh, that, that, that's more of the summer plants the, or the tropical plants, house plants, that kind of stuff. Yes, those can be damaged because they have no antifreeze in them at all. They need to be protected. Uh, I've, I'm starting to sell tomatoes right now. I've got tomato plants here at the garden center. It's a leading edge. Just, just grew a few, not very many. There might be two flats here. But you'd be surprised how many people have 
greenhouses, an Arizona room. I've got quite a few retirees. They've got them in a, in a garage. They take them out every day in a container. They throw them out in the sunshine, and at night they bring them back in. This is the part of the process that gives them, they just like nurturing, taking care of this tomato. And then there is a, a gardener's pride with a lot of this. <laughs> Many times, you know, it's bragging rights. Yeah, I picked my first tomato, and it was so good. It melted in your mouth. How are you doing with your tomatoes? There's some of this bragging rights kind of stuff. So there's some of that. But we bring in just a few now uh, for those kind of folks. The bulk of them will be in April. So usually by the second week in April, uh, we're getting close to the end of frost. A lot of people are starting to put in that summer, those summer vegetables, uh, eggplants, and they're putting in cucumbers and melons and tomatoes and peppers. Uh, but they'll put in a few and then they'll protect them. They will cover them every night because they're tropical plants. If we go down close to even mid-30s, it could, it could stunt them or kill them outright. So you're not planting those outdoors right now. The things that are coming up right now, they like this kind of weather. They love it. You want to plant in your yard those kind of plants. It's a good time to put lilacs in the ground. It's a great time to put in forsythia. Uh, all your evergreens, big spruce, had some st stunning, I mean, just awe-inspiring pinion pines come in this week. They got to be standing eight feet tall. Beautiful. They would actually prefer to be planted now rather than being planted when it's heat of summer, brand new growth coming out. So just make sure you're putting the right things in. Got a lot in store for you. Lisa Waters Lane is coming in to your, answer your garden questions and see what your neighbors are talking about after this. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. The colors of spring are bursting at Waters' 60th Spring Open House. COVID is over with a record number of Waters farmers showing off their newest, brightest flowers all weekend. Friday, we show off this year's showiest plant introductions. Saturday and Sunday, it's impromptu garden classes, plant garden giveaways, and drawings. Join the garden fun at Waters Garden Center's 60th Spring Open House, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, March 11th through 13th. 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Waters Garden Companion Plants of March are Oklahoma Redbud, Mountain Heat, Rosemary Creeper, Fanciful Forsythia, and Prescott Pansy. Prescott Pansy's giant three-inch flowers thrive in extreme March gardens. Large velvety blooms dazzle with radiant colors of blue, violet, yellow, and variations of stripes that look like smiling faces and love being planted in March. Shop the brightest spring flowers in-store or online at watersgardencenter.com in Prescott. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. And welcome, Lisa Waters Lane. It just feels, I mean, you can see the 70 degree weather. <laughs> On I mean, the horizon. The, the actual spring date is uh, a couple weeks away. I mean, it just mm -hmm. kind of, you, you can tell the days are getting longer. Are. Spring is actually when day and night equal the same amount. Mm -hmm. And then the days just get longer from there. Yeah. 
Uh, fall is the same thing. Spring and fall, just kind of that's when the the equinox. The, the equinox. Yep. Cool. Thank you. That's good. <laughs> I was just thinking it's the same time, both sides. <laughs> I just know the days get longer in the yeah. spring and days get shorter in the fall. Mm -hmm. So, but true. snow's all melted, so pretty yeah. much. Uh, so, this feels good. Hey, so we need yeah. to let people know. Yeah, it was your birthday last week. Yeah, and I didn't say happy birthday, so I'm saying it now. Happy oh. birthday! Well, dear. there we go. Happy Should we birthday. tell them how old you are? Yeah, big five. Just crossed over the five <laughs> mark. No, don't tell them how old I am. We'll let them guess. So what do we got? What kind of questions we got this week? Is sure. it uh, anything really good? I hope. Oh, they're all good. Always good. So Bonnie lives out in Prescott Valley in the Granville division. And she wants to know if you think a blue spruce will do okay in those kind of yards in that condition, or is there something you would recommend that would perform better? So spruce will do very, there's some beautiful spruce in Prescott Valley. I mean, that whole valley area, all the way up, that valley goes right to Chino Valley, Paulden, that whole area, right on over to Skull Valley. Mm -hmm. So they do great. The main thing to watch in that heavy clay, because evergreens are just very drought hardy. And so they they don't need, they don't want to sit their roots in a lot of soggy, mm -hmm. wet, gooey soil. They like dry, they want to dry out in between water cycles. Right. And so a little secret, because our first house was right there mm -hmm. by, by Granville that we had back in the early 90s. Yeah. Uh, we killed a lot of plants <laughs> trying to figure out how to grow out there. And the secret was, especially in the evergreens, leave plant in a slight mound. So mm -hmm. leave maybe two, three inches of the root out of the ground and then mound or crest up to to cover that root ball. Uh, so that no matter what, how much rain you get, the irrigation goes, no matter what kind of caliche layer you got, at least two, three inches of the root ball can, mm -hmm. can breathe. So right. it's like leaving its nose out of a, your nose out of a pool. Mm -hmm. It just lets you keep going. Yeah. You might get a little pruny and crusty in your toes, but you can still breathe. You're still alive and going. Right. And so the plants will adjust to that. I would say that's a good technique for really anything out there. Yeah. Uh, from fruit trees to, to shade trees, mm -hmm. but especially the evergreens from, right. from the Arizona cypress, blue spruce, uh, cedar cypress, ju junipers, pine. they're all going to pine. They're all going to grow well out there. You'll see some beautiful specimens. It's just, you got to make sure the the soil drains. If you're in doubt and when you dig your hole, mm -hmm. just fill it up in the morning. And if you've got water still sitting there at the end of the day, you've got problems. Right. Evergreens won't like that. I mean, yeah. Uh, maybe cattails or, you know, <laughs> water lilies, they would like that. But you dug a bathtub. What we do then is we'll dig a chimney. Uh, we'll dig a portion of that bottom of that hole out. We see the next soil band. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you see that next soil band coming up out of that hole, the water just drains automatically. Mm -hmm. So some, some techniques that sure. can help you with that. So yes, you can grow sp uh, spruce in that Prescott Valley, uh, Grandville area. Absolutely. I agree. All right. Next question is from Doug. He really wants to put an Eastern red bud nice. tree into his yard, go, Doug. but he wants to know how far away from the house foundation should that, can that tree go? Well, Doug, that's not even a problem. It's a small, it's a small root ball. That's a, so red buds grow wild here. So it's a native variety that grows just, it's a native. And so they get up even a fully mature, the biggest specimens, they go out maybe, 10 feet or so, and they're not prone to lift walkways, lift foundations. Mm -hmm. I would say you, you put it real close. 
right to the walkway, you'd be fine. Mm -hmm. So put it where you want it, where you think mm -hmm. the canopy. So it's a tree that's going to get about 15 feet tall by about you know, 10 feet wide, something like that. Mm -hmm. Just think in those terms and, and you're good to go. It should, should thrive here. It doesn't get wind whipped. It has a beautiful flower. We've got some starting to show flowers here. Yeah. You're starting to see right. kind of a leading. They're cracking, showing some color. Mm -hmm. They're always one of the first ones to bloom in spring. And then they have that beautiful heart-shaped leaf that's just so gorgeous. Right. Uh, so it's a great tree for here. Okay. All right. Our next question is from Tony. He wants to know, is now the time to be putting plant protector on the oh, pinyon pines? Yeah. And also, is it okay to do it when the soils are wet? Yeah. So yeah, uh, good questions. Uh, yes. Pine trees. Pine. So, yes. You need to take care <laughs> of pine trees. This is serious. I mean, it just, it's so serious this year. I mean, yes. we've got uh, a scale on, on, Pinion pines that I've, I haven't seen this early ever. Yeah. The the aphids have been on the ponderosas. I've never they never went away this winter. It never got cold enough, and so you really want to protect those. And so so let the other audience know, plant protector is a liquid that you pour right at the trunk of the tree, and it absorbs underneath the bark this kind of bug repellent. So it keeps the bark beetle, ips beetle, flathead borers, the things that eat your evergreens, pretty mm -hmm. much. It keeps them out. So absolutely, it is time. Now, the other question goes to, uh, is it okay when it's wet? It's actually better when the soil is wet. You'll get better uptake from the tree. So it will go further up into that canopy when the, when the ground is moist. So we've had some moisture the last couple storms. The ground is wet. This is ideal. I would say go ahead and fertilize at the same time. Even your natives, you folks that are up in that Highland Pines, Groom Creeks, you folks that are in that, that, that wild land interface, take care of those natives. I know they've been there for 100 years without any assistance from you, but we have changed mm -hmm. the environment right here. I don't know about global warming. I don't know how you feel about that, yay or nay. I don't even care. But I do know we have, we have heat island effects where when you put roads in, they need more help from you than, than let's say they were just a forest 20 years ago when we were growing up as kids, yeah. well, 10 years ago when we were growing <laughs> up as kids. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, plant protector, fertilize. And I would say all your evergreens, take care of them, nurture mm -hmm. them. Natives, you really only feed once a year, whereas spruce, pine, junipers, the other things you're fer fertilizing two, three times a year. Mm -hmm. But I would say definitely take advantage. It's, they're about to push their new spring growth encourage them to be healthy, new candle growth on your evergreens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So humic, putting humic acid in would now be a good time as well? Yeah. Humic is, is humic acid. So the organic gardeners, they know what that is. It's kind of a supplement to your to, to the fertilizer. It actually tickles the feet of plants. So they put on larger root mass, kind of mm -hmm. expands. It, it encourages <laughs> additional roots. And so it feeds the worms, the mycorrhizals. It feeds the soil. So the plants go, whoa, this look what's going on with the soil. I got it. I should root more. And then it picks up more of that, that food that you put down. With evergreen, stay away from these liquids. You don't, for big trees, you do not need miracle Row. It, it, none of it will be absorbed by the plant. You're just wasting your energy and money and time. Put a granular organic food. We've made one for evergreens. It's called 744 All-Purpose Plant Food. It's cottonseed meal. We put some sulfur in there, some iron. It really the the, the acid-loving plants just 
they love that food and they'll get greener, better growth on that. So all-purpose food, plant protector right away by the end of the month, I would say. Okay. That's all we got. We're out of time. Thank you, Lisa. So Ken and Lisa Lane, the Mountain Gardeners. Be right back after this. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. the Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. If life is a bowl of cherries, why not make them the biggest, sweetest cherries ever? Waters Garden Center is super excited to introduce our new organic fruit and vegetable plant food. This fertilizer has the bonus of added calcium that gives fruit trees and veggies an extra boost to produce healthy, abundant crops. Feed your plants now to help them thrive and grow more fruits than ever in just $27 for a 20-pound bag. Save natural, organic, fruit and vegetable plant food only at Waters Garden Center. Waters Garden Companion Plants of March are Prescott Pansies, Mountain Heath, Rosemary Creeper, Fanciful Forsythia, and Oklahoma Redbud. Oklahoma Redbud grows to just 16 feet tall. This local native is super easy to grow. Vibrant red flowers cloak the branches of early spring. Luscious heart-shaped leaves emerge with a soft pink tinge that matures to a vibrant green. Shop the brightest blooming trees in store or online at watersgardencenter.com in Prescott. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. So I'm noticing the magnolias are starting to open up and flower. Some of them are, are, are in bloom right now at the garden center. And so all around town, that's one of the first trees to wake up in the spring of the year. And there's different kinds of magnolias. You wouldn't expect them to grow in the mountains of Arizona, but they're extremely robust, very hardy, easy to grow. But what you may not know is there's this huge family of plants. It's kind of like lilacs. There's, there's Canadian lilac, there's Korean lilac, there's Japanese lilac, there's common lilacs, there's, there's all types. And so they come from all over the world. Same with magnolias. So we're all familiar with the southern magnolias. You go down to Atlanta, Georgia's, Carolinas, the, the, the Alabama's, all the south. Famous for their southern magnolias. This is an evergreen magnolia, great big glossy leaf to it. And it has an equally large or impressive flower, great big white flowers about the size of your hand. And they start to bloom in summer and they keep putting on waves of colors. That's That one actually will not grow at least not very many places in the mountains of Arizona, maybe the southern, maybe the lower elevation, you know, Spring Valleys, Curtis Junctions, maybe Camp Verdes, some of these areas up against a warm hillside, maybe. But really, it's really borderline. There's, there's a variety called Alta Southern Magnolia, which is a genetic dwarf. It's, it's a different variety, but it's related. It's a cousin to the Southern Magnolia. This one is much hardier. The leaf is a little smaller, so maybe it's half the size of the normal magnolia that you're used to. It has the same flower, though, same fragrance. It's beautiful. It, that one is very hardy. I think that's a zone six plant. It goes down to zero degrees before it dies out. I've got a couple of those in my yard. They are stunning. 
Birds love them. They're fragrant. Put them by your patios. They just smell so good. There's one that's even tougher, saucer magnolias. These are deciduous varieties of magnolia. So they lose their leaves. Deciduous means they basically hibernate in the winter. They form their flower buds all winter long. Now they're, the flowers are, the flower buds are huge and they're starting to open. It's very exciting. What you get with the deciduous varieties of magnolias is they come in different colors now. The flower's a little smaller. Maybe it's only four or five inches across instead of as big as your hand. But they're bright pinks, yellows. You just don't see a yellow in magnolias, but you can with these deciduous varieties. And of course, they've got the whites as well. What I like about these is they're much smaller. Your, your southern magnolias, these are... Oh, they got to be 50, 60, 80 feet tall with maturity. They're huge. They're just too big for many yards. A saucer magnolia, or some of these deciduous varieties of magnolias, again, they're blooming now, they only get up to 15, 20 feet tall. Well, any yard can, can accommodate one of these, and they're quite pretty. And I noticed the animals don't bother them. They don't eat them which is great. You can have something out there that the animals aren't going to like chow down on. Uh, you put, put an aspen out there or, or a fruit tree, the deer are going to be all over that. The antelope are going to be chomping down on it. You're going to see porcupines stripping bark off. It's, you're going to see some things. You have to protect them, nurture them until they get large enough and mature enough. But not with magnolias. You don't do that with purple leaf plums. You don't do that with locusts. There's a whole series of plants that are really quite tough for local landscapes here, and they'll take our cold. Mainly, I think uh, uh, star magnolia, these deciduous varieties of magnolias, I think they're a zone four, maybe three. They can go down to minus 40 degrees. I mean, nowhere in Arizona are they going to get that cold before they die out. These, these grow up in the coldest parts of the Midwest, Minnesota's, Wisconsin's, with eight-foot frost lines. They're fine with that. That's how tough that plant is. And you only find them at garden centers in the early spring. As soon, I mean, as soon as they start, they bloom. Uh, they're almost like candy to gardeners. Going, oh, that's so pretty. I'll take with that one and that one. They just buy them in pairs. This is the time to plant them. When that crop is gone, well, there aren't any more until next spring. You only grow so many, and you generally try to have these plants just before they go into bloom because as as gardeners see them blooming around town they're going i want one of those they take a picture with their camera phone and go what is this and where do i get one they're going well that's a it's a star magnolia and they're right there and how many you want and so it goes like that there's no crops after them but right after that the crab apples will bloom then after that the locusts will start to bloom the the uh, purple robe locusts. It's beautiful wisteria flowers. So there's this wave of plants after plant. What's right after the magnolias, really, for short trees or tall, tall shrubs? Uh, the red buds. They're just starting to crack. You just see the flowers. Red bud grows wild. There's a variety that's wild here. So it's a native. It's very tough. Very large, substantial root structure. But a shorter plant, pretty heart-shaped leaf. It's just a great, another plant that's great for here. There's so many. If you can, get these planted before they go into bloom. You'll get to enjoy the flowers longer that way. They don't go into transplant shock. They hold their flowers. When a plant gets stressed, the first thing it does, shed its flowers or its fruits. 
and try to try to recover. So if you put them in the ground before that, they don't have that kind of issues. They'll, they'll bloom for you much longer. Okay, Lisa Watersling coming back in the studio right after this. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. The colors of spring are bursting at Waters' 60th Spring Open House. COVID is over, with a record number of Waters farmers showing off their newest, brightest flowers all weekend. Friday, we show off this year's showiest plant introductions. Saturday and Sunday, it's impromptu garden classes, plant garden giveaways, and drawings. Join the garden fun at Waters Garden Center's 60th Spring Open House, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, March 11th through 13th. 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Waters Garden Companion Plants for March are Oklahoma Redbud, Mountain Heath, Prescott Pansies, Fanciful Forsythia, and Rosemary Creeper. Rosemary Creeper is a local favorite for rock gardens, ground cover, or spilling over retaining walls. But not all local rosemary is created equal. This one lives where others die. Knowing you can also use it in the kitchen is sheer bliss. Shop the freshest organic herbs in-store or online at watersgardencenter.com in Prescott. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding with a few Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. All right, we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week, and this segment is just for you. Just me. Huh? I'd give you my entire life if I had a choice. <laughs> you already did. Only for the last 34 what? years, 33 years, however long it's been. July 25th, 1987. It's a day I'll never forget. <laughs> it was a me. noon wedding. So 11 o'clock, wasn't it 11 o'clock? 10, 30, 11, something like that. A morning wedding. Yeah. Had, uh, wasn't a big party afterwards. We had a reception with some cake and punch. And then we took off to Hawaii, Maui. Here we come back in the eighties. Maui was, well, that was the cheaper Island to go to because (laughs) it wasn't built out yet. So honeymooned there for a month or for a week. I wish. (laughs) Just felt like a month. (laughs) No, it was a great honeymoon. Are you kidding me? Just kidding. Day two, we went out on the beach. It was day one. And uh, the sun in Hawaii is intense. We're mountain folks. We didn't think this is like pre-sunblock. This is like, there was sunblock like number four back in the 80s. (laughs) So we got roasted. Couldn't touch each other. Yeah, it was kind of cloudy. Yeah, yes, yes. We, thought, so oh, we'll we thought, oh, we're fine. We'll just lay on the beach. And, we, yeah. we weren't fine. I couldn't touch my bride for like a month. It was, it was <laughs> to the point where I was actually blistered. It yeah. Was that, yeah. yeah. Kind of, if I had to do it over again. Sunblock. I'd go with you. I'd go to the same spot. <laughs> I'd lay on that beach and I would have lots of sunblock 100 or something. Mm-hmm. It'd be better. Yes. Anyway. We've learned the older we get, the more sunblock we <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. We love sunblock. In fact, I smell up the room in the studio right now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this this segment's all about you. Just what are you seeing in the gardens? What's going on? So, 
share with us, impart knowledge. May oh. we be smarter by the time we get done, hit the uh, stop record button. <laughs> well, we got on it, but we'll try. Okay. So I was out perusing the nursery yard, walking through, and I happened to walk by the ornamental plums, the KV plums. And I noticed, oh my goodness, they are starting to bloom. Very, very pretty. So I was very surprised. That means that means spring is here. Oh, and I also know <laughs> I always think of this every year because our neighbor across the street from us has a winter jasmine. Yeah. And that is in full bloom. Oh, nice. Yeah. Beautiful. Up in Eagle Ridge, that mm-hmm. area. So spring, I mean, the forsythia just popped open like yesterday. They are in yeah. full bloom. I mean, things are going right now. I mean, it's right. it's, it's this is the leading edge. Mm-hmm. Your summer things. They don't uh, care for this kind of weather. The crape myrtles, they'll be a month and a half before they wake up. Least, but the yeah. spring things, mm-hmm. they love this time of year. Right, right. So seeing the KV plums made me think of spring blooming trees. So I Perfect. thought we would talk about those. Yeah. I so I already mentioned the KV plum, which is a really uh, one of the first ones to bloom in mm-hmm. the spring. Light pink blossom, but it has a beautiful purple foliage to it. So it's a nice tree if you have a lot of green in your yard and nothing but green and sticks. The the purple is a really nice contrast uh, to a lot of that green bushy stuff in the yard. I think it looks great against uh, the native blue kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. the, the, the emery oaks and the manzanitas and the junipers, mm-hmm. it's a good contrast and purple goes with those Arizona blues really well. Only a man would say that, but yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> purple oh. and blue. Together. God did issue. Uh, <laughs> God did issue me seven crayons in my color box. I didn't get the 64 you got, but I know how to use them. Right. But it's a nice tree for our landscape. It's a uh, 18 to 20 by 18 to 20. So I'm yeah. not going to get overly huge. I'm not going to take over your yard. Uh, it is a wonderful tree that almost naturalizes itself here. Uh, not overly thirsty. There's not a lot of insect. It does get some shot holes sometimes, but there's yeah, ways no to work on that. that. Yeah. Right. So really nice tree for here. If you're looking for an easy care spring blooming tree. Um, and it does have a cousin called the thunder cloud plum. I want to make a thundering noise right now. <laughs> Maybe Did I should do that. that <laughs> <laughs> we are doing this on video too. So, Oh, okay. The folks on Twitter and uh, Instagram, they'll love that. <laughs> I'm not sure I do that again, but okay. So the thundercloud, uh, my opinion, they're very, very similar. You were saying uh, it has more of a fall color to it a little more coppery yeah. fall look yeah. before it loses its leaves i think the it's the better the two trees if i were to plant one in my own yard i'd go thundercloud if i couldn't find those i would kv plum it'd be fine it'd be about yeah. the same i don't think there's a whole lot of my opinion i think the thundercloud has a prettier purple <laughs> okay. about that works for me all right and then we also have red buds so red buds are those trees that are going to bloom pretty close after the ornamental plums bloom. And one are, cause I was doing a bit of research on, I'm trying to find the different varieties. And one article said they are a pink firework out in the yard. And Ooh, I thought, that's well, that's, that's a really good description yeah. for them because the pink is, it's not a soft pink. It is a very dynamic, very bright. Fluorescent. fluorescent. Not quite fluorescent. It's a darn close. It's very bright. You'll mm-hmm. notice it. It's, it's probably three shades brighter 
than a KV plum. Mm -hmm. The foliage isn't purple. It's green, but right. mostly uh, continue. I'm going to steal <laughs> your thundercloud. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the foliage, so pink, bright pink blossom. Beautiful, beautiful. The foliage shape of the leaf tends to be a heart shaped leaf. Very yeah. pretty heart yeah. shape. Mm -hmm. um, most of them are green, but there are a couple that have more of a purpley, burgundy leaf to them. So the forest pansy is, it gets a little darker purple leaf to it. It's probably going to get, what would you say, 20? Uh, optimistically 20, really high okay. teens size wise. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That's, it's a short tree. Right. So another one that fits nicely into the landscapes gives you that purple leaf. Um, it has a friend called Merlot. Oh, a friend. The trees have friends <laughs> of now. Course they have friends. <laughs> but the Merlot is smaller. So 12 to 15 feet tall and wide has a, probably a darker leaf to it. I would say more of a Merlot, <laughs> yeah. but very, very pretty. And it's actually the research I was doing on it. It's actually a cross between a white red bud oh. and a forest pansy. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. I didn't forest either. pansy. I always think of it as it's got purple foliage. The new mm -hmm. growth is purple. Fall color is purple. It's got purple. It's not quite as purple as purple leaf plum, but it's, it's definitely it's purple. purple. The Merlot, it looks like you picked off a green leaf and dipped it in, in red wine. Mm -hmm. That has that kind of drippy purpley color to mm -hmm. it. It's quite striking. Right. Uh, the newer introduction is a Merlot. That one's that one we've right. sold it's for newer. a couple of years. Forest Pansy we've had for a decade. Right. Almost, I'm getting bored with it. Give me oh, something new. Well, Merlot. Yeah. Okay. So smaller. So perfect for that. Another smaller red bud, but has the green leaves is the Avondale. Oh yeah. So the Avondale there again, it's going to get that 12 to 15 feet tall. Um, those smaller trees, I think you could easily grow in containers oh, if you oh, wanted any to. Any one of them, really. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and great for raised beds as well, just because they're a little bit smaller. But the Avondale, still bright pink blossom, beautiful green leaf, but just a little bit smaller. You know, I'm getting kind of tired of our Japanese maples out front. You are. I would love to I'm not. pull those out and <laughs> maybe put a red bud in there. It could be really pretty. We had that thing in there for years. Things got the trunk on it's like four inches, five inches across. Don't you just want to change some things out sometimes? <laughs> I'll let that one go. But we'll talk hey. about ornamental pears now. Okay. So, <laughs> ornamental pear, another great tree, big tree for the most part, probably what, 25, 30 feet? Yeah, would 30. You say? The Bradfords are probably the biggest. There's, uh -huh. there's some on the courthouse. Right. In Prescott, maybe 30, 35. I've, mm -hmm. They get so big, you can't tell at that point. It's a shade tree. Oh, <laughs> definitely. So white blooms in the spring. Very pretty. Great thing about it is you also have the fall full, fall foliage. I knew I could say it if I thought about it. So you get that real pretty orangey red. Uh, the last tree to turn red in the mm -hmm. in usually around just for christmas de december first part of december mm -hmm. it's full red and then autumn's over it loses its leaves and it very rarely produces it's an ornamental every once in a blue moon you'll see some fruit on it oh, it's but, a tiny yeah. maybe, maybe the size of a dime not if very that. often right yeah. and then we also have some magnolias so most people don't think about magnolias here but they do quite well and very pretty blossoms in the spring I would say 
This is a good time to head to the garden center and take a look at the flowers that are starting to show up on the trees if you want a flowering tree. Okay. It's great, Lisa. Hey, the blooming, the trees of spring. Yes. Ken Lisa Lane, the Mountain Gardeners. Be right back. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Waters Garden Companion plants for March are Oklahoma Redbud, Mountain Heaths, Rosemary Creeper, Prescott Pansies, and Fanciful Forsythia. Fanciful Forsythia is a gorgeous spring shrub that explodes with masses of solar yellow flowers, followed by shiny green leaves. Every home should have one for sheer beauty, fall color, and gentle natural care. Shop the brightest spring bloomers in-store or online at watersgardencenter.com in Prescott. Oh no, my pine trees look terrible. Never fear, Plant Protector is here. Plant Protector? From Waters Garden Center? My super strength protector destroys pine scale, bark beetle, and aphids. Just water into the soil and your trees are protected from the inside out for the year. Thank you, Plant Protector. You can always find Plant Protector at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. Evergreens, this is a really good time to be shopping for evergreens because you can actually go through go through the garden center, peruse the plants, and see what they're actually going to look like this late winter start of spring season. So many of them start to turn yellow. They start to have this off color to them. In fact, if you did not fertilize your Red tip photinias last fall, they're starting to get kind of this mange, this anemic uh, off color to it. They should be a dark, rich green. You should start to see the new growth starting to elongate bright, intense red. But if they starve, they start to be, they start to look, well, off. And so this is how you want to shop for them. You want to see that, that how to care for them and how, how they're going to look when they're cared for well this time of year. And so this is when you get to look at junipers. If you've got privacy screens, you want something to block that new behemoth going up next to you. And now all of a sudden neighbors looking right from their window into yours. That's kind of awkward. This is a good time to put in evergreen junipers. Arizona cypress, your cedars, uh, Italian cypress, Arizona cypress. I, I use uh, Spartan junipers. I wanted that rich green. I'm in the chaparral area where I've got these Arizona blues already, but I wanted something that was up, oh, above head height and 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 width-wise about five, six, seven feet. They fit the bill perfectly. So I put seven of them zigzagged across the front yard, and now we've got this private courtyard. We can still look around the plants and say, hi, neighbor, how you doing? How's... How's Barky Max doing? How's your dog? Uh, but if we don't, we can just sit there and continue reading the paper and sip a coffee. It's perfect. Wichita Blue is the exact same plant as Spartan Junipers, only it's blue. 
instead of green. So if you've got a lot of green or you just like more, you want more Arizona blue, that's a great choice for you. These are upright evergreens that get up, you know, six, seven, 10 feet high by five feet wide. Stack them together and everything is blocked off. You just want an accent in the yard, perfect. Arizona cypress is the one that's right up after that. So this is a big boy, fast. It grows 20 feet by 12 feet. So it's, it's like those junipers only three times the size and they grow faster, they're full. If you're out in the valley areas, it's the perfect windbreak. Out there against the southwest corners, that's where the wind usually comes from. It'll keep that wind and have it pop up above the house and get it out of your, off your back patios better. Or it's just a great screen. If you've got bigger properties and you're looking across the, the way and the neighbors are looking at you again in the hot tub, put an Arizona Cypress. They'll be gone within a season or two. It's fast. It's a fast-growing wall. It's really a great time because we're harvesting the spring crop of spruce, pines. Uh, your spruce and pines are, these are big trees, uh, but it's like a, it's a Christmas tree. So I had someone who was helping them before the show going, I want one that looks like a Christmas tree. I'm going, yeah, you're talking about Colorado spruce. Here you go. It's a great big tree, about 50 feet tall by 20 feet wide with big swooping branches. Uh, it's a great tree. This is when we have the best selection of those because we're harvesting the spring crop. Had a beautiful crop of, of Austrian pines. This is like a ponderosa pine, only it holds its foliage right down to the ground. Whereas ponderosas, I'll have these probably by the end of March. They'll be short little guys, but really what you're buying with a ponderosa pine is a trunk. You're planting it and the foliage will be up there, but down here, it's going to be basically barky. This is how they naturally grow. Uh, Austrian pine is, is a cousin to ponderosa pines, only they hold their foliage right down to the ground. It's much, much nicer in a, in, as far as design goes in the landscape. Your quail will be better. Well, they'll like it better because they'll kind of tuck underneath there and puck around. It's just a good landscape plant for here. One that's like that, kind of a cousin, one that's I can't believe how tough it is, is Vanderwolf pine. Again, these pines, we have natural pine forest that grow here, so they do really well. But Vanderwolf, it's a blue pine. Actually, the top of the needle is blue, the bottom is white, so it has this frosted, almost two-toned look to it. What, it's, what I really like about that one, it's so huggable, so soft. You just can't walk by it without touching it going, oh, it just feels so good. It's like, it's like velour. It's not needles. They're velour. It just feels velvet. Just feels so good. And so it's that plant. If you're going to kill a Vanderwolf pine, this blue pine, it'll be from overwatering. It's so robust, so tough. It grows slowly up to about... Mm, mid-teens by about six, eight feet wide. So it's very shapely, very pretty, very soft, but you just don't, you, this is one you want to plant it and forget about it and it kind of still grows. It's right up there with pinion pines. They're equally as tough. Just the pinion pines, they grow big. So we've got some spectacular pinion pines and they're probably eight feet tall by eight feet wide. They're, they're magnificent. It's the nicest crop I've seen. It's truly a native of Arizona. It grows wild in this chaparral area where the manzanitas grow, where the junipers grow, so do pinyon pines. So, but it gets, it's, it's three times the size of a Vanderwolf pine and it's, it's more of a light green. 
So it's definitely pinion pines are are this lime to, to darker green, whereas Vanderwolfs are bright, kind of rich sky, not sky blue. It's hard to describe. It's like a turquoise blue. No, that's too that's too blue. Anyway, it's blue. You got to look at them. It's if you're shop, it's a time to shop for those because you can see them, you could touch them, and you see what they're gonna look like this time of year from this point, probably until you're out of that house. When you finally get to the get put in the home, this, this thing's going to still grow for t- twice as long. It'll keep going for 100 years. So this is what you get to look like, and this is how it's going to look for the rest of the year, the rest of, rest of your time in that home. Others are, uh, there's a lot of upright evergreens. There's also a lot of broadleaf evergreens. These are things like the red tip photinia, like I started this segment on. Red tip photinia is really defined as, not a conifer, but a broadleaf evergreen. In that same class are euonymus. Euonymus, there's quite a few of them. Actually, uh, uh, boxwoods are sort of a variation of that, a little bit smaller leaf, but you folks from the Midwest and East Coast, you know what euonymus and boxwoods are. It's the most popular plant in that in those areas. It's also one of the most popular plants here in the mountains. They, they adapt really, really well. Now, these are bigger plants. They're going to be up where you make hedges out of them. They can be free-formed. If you let them go, they'll be a, just a specimen by themselves. But often, we're surrounding the patio with them. We're taking a fence line, blocking off the neighbors. So it's, it's, uh, a typical euonymus, let's say Silver King, gets up six, seven, eight feet tall by five feet wide. And if you pack them together, they will grow into each other and it will be a living wall just straight across. Great for those valley homes where they're putting up block walls. Block walls are, they're just not pretty. Let's face it. You either want to stucco them or, or put some shrubbery in front of them so they, they disappear. So you want this secret garden feel when you get done. Another one that I like that I use myself is called Eliagonus or silverberry. Think two names. The, the Latin name is Eliagnus. Think the name Eli and then Agnes. Put them together. Or you just call it silverberry. It's, it's a wild shrub, evergreen. Gets up about head high, six, seven feet tall, about five, six feet wide. And they grow really well here. This is one, get it up to size and then take it off the irrigation. Don't, don't care for it anymore. It's truly a native grows wild here. You'll see them out in the wild. Uh, you're taking a razor ride or side-by-side side out, out in the forest. You're going to run across this big evergreen that's got a super fragrant flower. Just You'll notice the flower, the fragrance before you notice the shrub. And you go, wow, that's kind of pretty. I like that. It's going to grow it, fertilize it, care for it until it gets to the size you want, and then ignore it. It'll stop growing just takes care of itself. That's There's so many rich natives that you can put out there. Another one that's that I use often is called red clusterberry cotoneaster, or cotton easter is how people say it and spell it. It's another great, gets 10 by 10 by 10. Deer don't bother it. Gets a yellow, white flower in spring, red berries in the fall. It's just a great plant for you. So many. This is the time you put them in, and this is really the time you shop for your winter evergreens and see what they really look like in your yard. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott at 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. 
Waters Garden Companion Plants of March are Oklahoma Redbud, Mountain Heath, Rosemary Creeper, Fanciful Forsythia, and Prescott Pansy. Prescott Pansy's giant three-inch flowers thrive in extreme March gardens. Large velvety blooms dazzle with radiant colors of blue, violet, yellow, and variations of stripes that look like smiling faces and love being planted in March. Shop the brightest spring flowers in-store or online at watersgardencenter.com in Prescott. Gardening and you don't know where to start? Waters In-Home Garden Service comes to you and identifies what you have and how to make it better. Design advice, water strategies, vegetable and flower gardens, soil and food needs, and problem solving. Always problem solving. You'll instantly be a better gardener. All for just $200 of expert time with a coupon to fill your garden dreams without ever leaving home. In-home garden consultations from Waters Garden Center. We can be at your home this week. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. There's a couple things that I do. You know, my name's Ken. We're just friends. We're neighbors talking over the back fence. And this is what I'm doing in my own gardens. I think it may help you as well. The, the other question that people come up with, well, you know, I'm in uh, Groom Creek or I'm in Camp Verde or I'm in Cottonwood or Sedona or Paulden or we're all the same, folks. Yeah, what, what matters more is how much sun does your garden get? North, south, east, west exposure. So Jerome's going to have the best uh, gardening, that east exposure overlooking the Verde Valley. It just, it just warms up in the sun yeah, in the morning. It's just better. The direct west is very kind gardening. You have a southern exposure. Just make sure you're using hot things that love hot sun. North exposure. Actually, shaded areas are the hardest to grow in. You have less choices because things tend to reach and stretch uh, out in the garden. We all have the same soil. We're all dealing with this volcanic, very alkaline soil. The water just coming to your gardens, either from a well or from the city, is very alkaline. You need to correct for that. And so every time you water the landscape, it's going to turn, your leaves will start to turn yellow. They'll stop blooming. They'll drop fruit. The, the flower colors will fade. You need to correct that pH. It's too high. Everywhere else in the country, it's very acidic. The, the pH is way too low. and It just burns things up. Here we're too high. It's like uh, ammonia out there. Just really, it's way too alkaline. you got to correct that. So in my own gardens... I have fertilized everything. I mean, literally every plant everywhere. I just sling all-purpose plant food over everything. It's an organic fertilizer we make for the mountains of Arizona. But in addition to that, that, that food, we actually put soil sulfur in that food because we know when you're fertilizing in this in Arizona, basically, you're going to need to try to to lower that pH. We just know that. And if we can lower the pH, it makes the fertilizer, makes that organic plant food more available to that plant. So we automatically add some, I think it's two, three, four percent. I forget exactly, uh, but it's got some, some soil sulfur. What I do for my own gardens is while I'm fertilizing, 
Uh, I, I think I took three bags of all-purpose plant food. I've got a lot of plants. A bag will cover 2,000 square feet, so it's granular. I put it in my little handheld spreader, and I just sling it around everywhere. I'll walk underneath the trees, and you're not doing the trunk. You're doing the outer branches or the drip line out towards the outer branches. That's where the feeder roots are. But here's the insider secret. In addition to the food, I also get a bag of soil sulfur. Sulfur, it's, it's actually, I, I just double down on the sulfur. I, I know the fertilizer's got some, but I want a lot. And I've, I find that when I fertilize and put sulfur on only in the spring, that I get much better growth, much larger roses, bigger, more tasty fruits. The, the, the flowers bloom, have more buds. It just really reacts well because those those plants that are in the ground, they can they can pick up more of that fertilizer. I, it works in my yard. It's been working for a couple decades. It, I mean, it really works. It's what we teach in the garden classes here on how to fertilize. And I think it's going to work for those tuned in. It'll work for you as well. So a bag of soil sulfur, it's granular, goes to the same hand spreader. I really, this time of year too, probably it's time to invest in like a $20 a good hand spreader, just so you're not chucking it by hand, it clumps in and just gets it more even, more, more, just more balanced throughout the yard. And then don't focus in on that tree well or right at the trunk, focus further out where those outer branches are. Put the fertilizer and the soil sulfur both out there and you'll find you'll have much better color from your lilacs, forsythias, better fruits. It'll just be better for the entire landscape. That's it for this week. Ken and Lisa Lane, we're here throughout the week at Waters Garden Center. We love talking to fans of the show. The colors of spring are bursting at Waters' 60th Spring Open House. COVID is over with a record number of Waters farmers showing off their newest, brightest flowers all weekend. Friday, we show off this year's showiest plant introductions. Saturday and Sunday is impromptu garden classes, plant garden giveaways, and drawings. Join the garden fun at Waters Garden Center's 60th Spring Open House, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, March 11th through 13th. 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.